Good morning. How's everybody? Sweet. Merry Christmas. My name's Chad. I'm the lead pastor here at Light Point. I'm so glad you guys are here today. Um, and even if it was just to come and see cute little kids sing, that's fine. I'm not offended at all. Did, did you notice? I heard something. I do, do uh, mental health counseling. And what they always said is you can always tell what somebody's looking at because they'll mirror what they see. And so I don't know about you, but I was trying to make as many faces as possible to get them to laugh, so much so that my son looked away from me because he thought I, I was going to start giggling too much. So what it did tell me was this, is y'all didn't smile nearly enough at them because <laughs> they look beautiful. Just kidding. Anyway, no, they did look good. All right, so here we go. So we're in a series called The Waiting, and um, today we're, we're going to wrap up this series from Jeremiah 23. And we're going to read verses 1 to 8. But in it, it's, there's an interesting story that goes along with it. Because as you read through this passage, one of the things that it talks about, one of the things that it leads to is this. It leads to a new God story in, in God's children. A story that they no longer have to lean on the previous thing that happened, but they can actually have their own God story. And today I want to share with you that God has a story that he wants to write in your life. Your own, your own God story. And as we walk through this piece, we get to see how God works and how God sees and how God pays attention to his children and what's going on in his children. So if you have your Bibles, go there. But I want to start off with a quick little story. Um, I love telling stories. I love sharing stories. One of my favorite things to do with Noelle right here, my uh, oldest daughter, my only daughter, um, who has blessed my life. When she was little, before we started reading books, uh, and now we don't do it so much because now anytime you go into a room, she has a book in front of her and she's reading. And, and then so you got to interrupt the book reading to actually get a hug from her. I don't know if y'all have any of that problems at home, but I do. And so I, I actually, I have to lay on the book just to get her to pay attention to me. And then she gets mad at me. But before this happened, before she uh, became such an excellent reader, one of the things we used to do was I used to tell her, she'd say, Daddy, tell me a story. Do you remember this? No? Okay. <laughs> So I do because it was so important to me. And it would always start off with this. There once was a girl named Noelle who had a daddy who loved her so much. And then we would go into this elaborate story of what, what happened. And we would talk about the qualities, the values that we'd want her to have. She was such a good friend to her friends. Or she had this amazing, amazing adventure. But we would start with this story. And it always started with there once was a girl named Noel who had a daddy who loved her so much. And I want you to hear this. You ready? There once was a person named you who had a father who loved you so much that he wanted to write a story with your life to shine a light into this dark world. And this is the story that he wants to write. And I can tell you many stories, and it's so interesting because, Dave, as you talked earlier and got up here and, and talked about things that have changed, and I can say with confidence that a lot of things have changed just physically. But what amazes me is the lives that God has changed, the pe what he's done with people. And here's, let's dive into this because it's so important. You go to Jeremiah 23, 1 to 8, it says this. It says, woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel concerning the shepherds 
who are tending my people. You have scattered my flock and driven them, driven them away and have not attended to them. Behold, I am about to attend to you for the evil of your deeds, declares the Lord. Then I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their pasture, and they will be fruitful and multiply. I will also raise up shepherds over them, and they will tend them, and they will not be afraid any longer, nor be terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is his name by which he will be called, the Lord our righteousness. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when they will no longer say, as the Lord lives who brought up the sons of Israel from the land of Egypt. But they will say this. But as the Lord lives who brought up and led back the descendants of the household of Israel from the Northland and from all the countries where I had driven them. Then they will live on their own soil. There's an amazing piece in this passage. And, and the, if we go back to this, here's something that's very interesting. It's this passage right here that really shapes who I am as a pastor. It really shapes my story. Because what I know is that in our world today, there is a lot of people who uh, have been wounded and hurt by the church or have been wounded and hurt by people. And then you look in our world today, there's a lot of people that the church itself has decided that it needs to be about something other than who God is. And through this story, through reading this story in a quiet time years and years ago, it started to shape my view of what a pastor should be. Because it uses the word shepherd. And the bottom line is a shepherd and is the same context as a pastor. One who looks out for his flock. One who cares for people. One who guides. One who, one who loves and cares for. It's interesting. If you ever spend any time around sheep, here's what you'll quickly learn. Is sheep are stinky. They get misguided a lot and wander off. They get into trouble by getting in briar patches and trouble because of decisions they make. Not only that, but when they go, get off into things, they get these little burrs on them and they need somebody to go along. They also need this. They need someone to protect them. And so as we read through the story, as we read through the story, there was something going on in this world where people were, were the leaders of Israel, of Judah at the time, were not being obedient to God. And they were running from God and they were not doing what he had called them to do as leaders and as shepherds. And one of the things that is so important to me and is so in instrumental in my life is that we are a church that is obedient to God. That out of our obedience we see God move and we see God do some amazing things and I can see it over and over again. And do we always get it right? No, but we continue to go back and draw back to what he's called us to. And see, some of us in here is this, is we're shepherds in our own home. Whether you want to be, if you have a family, you're shepherds in your own home. You lead your family, you lead your kids, you lead your spouses, you lead those, those family, the, the family system in one way, shape, or another. And there's a call here that God gives us to shepherd them well, to pay attention to what we're doing. 
And here's what I know to be true as we read through this passage is this. I know in my own story that God has written in my own life, it's this, as I know that God is paying attention. If we look at this, the first two verses, it says, woe to the shepherds. They were there. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. He is paying attention to how we lead and how we shepherd and how we care. He's also paying attention to those that are over us and guiding us and directing us. He is paying attention. And so we may be sitting here today wondering, does God even take notice to what's going on? Is God even paying attention? Because if he is, why am I going through this? In a season of of waiting for, for this big day to come in a few days and we're waiting and all this, a lot of us are waiting for a simple uh, leader to step up, a simple change in our life, a something to happen, a new story to be written. And I want to ensure you that God is paying attention to what is going on. And he goes on, he says, Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel concerning the shepherds who are tending my people. You have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not attended them. Behold, I'm about to tend to you for the evil of your deeds, declares the Lord. Now that's heavy for me. It's an eye-opening thing for me. Because it, it shows the weight of what we do, not only as pastors and shepherds, but it also shows the weight as we lead our families and we lead our homes. That is not to be taken lightly. And so I know that my God pays attention. So wherever you're at in your life, wherever you're at in your story, can I just say that you have a God that loves you so much that he's paying attention to what is going on in your life. The second thing is this. In my own story, I, can, I know this. In Jeremiah 23, 3 to 4, it says this. Then I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I've driven them and bring them back to their pasture and they will be fruitful and multiply. Years ago, Julie and I adopted a, um, we rescued a, a miniature poodle who came from a puppy mill. And I know some of you may not be dog people, that's okay. But just listen to the story. We adopted this dog and it, we got it and it looked like this dirty lamb, nasty thing. And we brought it home and it, all I knew is that I had no idea what was wrong with it, other than it smelled and it was, needed a bath. This dog came from a puppy mill, and they were about to euthanize her because she would not breed anymore. Here's what I know to be true. Some of us are so wounded in life by people who claim to love and, and know Jesus that we are no longer fruitful and we no longer multiply. We are so afraid of what the church can do and what leaders in the church can do that we withdraw and we, we run from who God is. See, the problem is, is we put, we put a pastor, we put a church leader or a ministry leader in the place of who God is. And we get it mixed up. And so what I noticed in this little dog that we adopted that took years and years to come around to love and it took years and years of pampering her and just loving on her and and years and years of rejection, it took that long for her to start coming around and wanting to be loved on. See, in our own story, maybe some of our own stories involve somebody that's wounded us or something we didn't get. And so what happens is, is we run from God and we try to stay as far away from God. And here's what I know to be true is that God has a plan for our story. Why? Because we have a father who loves us so much that he has a plan to draw us back in. He has a plan to bring us back into the fold. 
The one thing I love about our church is this. I had asked a couple people this year just to write, and I'll share these stories with you on January 6th when we do a two-year celebration of Light Point Church. I had asked a couple people to write stories about what Light Point Church and what God's done through it. And one of the amazing things that I hear in these stories is this, is that we were floating out here trying to figure out where we could land. And what happened was this, is that God called something into, into Miami Township, Milford area that said, I want a church that's going to shine the light of Jesus. And what happens is that they now have a home. And so even in their own stories, God is working. Why? Because we have a God who loves us so much that he wants to bring his people in and he has a plan for us. And we go on, then I myself will gather the remnant of my flock and will re- Thank you. Of all the countries where I've driven them and bring them back to their pasture, and they will be fruitful and multiply. See, something changes when we get brought back to where God wants us. And see, it's not about an individual that does this. It's about the work of God that continues to go on in our lives, that he brings people back to right where he wants them. Why? So that they can be fruitful, so that they can multiply. And just like sheep, when they are abused, or animals when they are abused, when they're, when they're ran through the ringer and mistreated and not loved and cared for, guess what they stop doing? They stop being fruitful and they stop multiplying and they shut down. And we live in a world that is wounded. And we have stopped being fruitful and stopped multiplying the very thing God has called us to. But he has a plan for us because he loves us. Next verse, ready? It says this, I will also raise up shepherds over them and they will tend to them. And will they not be afraid any longer nor be terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. See, there's a call here for those that lead. There's a call for this shepherd. And in all of this, is, it's to come back to what he has called. And I love this. Why? Because he talks about a place where we won't be afraid. Wouldn't that be nice? It talks about a place where we won't be terrified. We won't be looking over our shoulder. We won't be looking for that time when we get wounded or that time it's going to be hurt, we're going to be hurt. And I love this last part, nor will any be missing. God's got a plan to bring his children in. And it's no matter what it is, a part of our stories, he wants to gather them in so that they can be cared for, that they can be loved and they can be right where he wants them. In my own God story, I know that he has a deliberate plan for my life, just like he has for your life. In my God story, I notice this too, that God provided the solution to our problems. He provided the solution to our ultimate dilemma in life. And we get to read about it here in verses 5 and 6. It says this, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. And he will reign as king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. In his day, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is his name by which he will be called the Lord our righteousness. See, he's got a solution to our dilemma. No matter where we're at, his solution is Jesus Christ. And it was promised thousands of years, came into existence thousands of years ago. And it is still true today. 
a righteous ruler, a righteous savior. And let's just look at this word righteousness to better understand it. You ready? Because this word righteousness, last week we looked at this word righteousness and learned that it's a, it's a way, a measuring stick of how things should be upright and level and, and look right. And see, the problem is, is in today's world, we look at everybody else to see whether I am right or whether I am walking right. When the reality of it is, is and the truth of it is this, if I look at Anything but Jesus, I am missing out. I am missing what he had called me to. When I compare myself to anybody but Jesus, I fall short of what he has called me to and what he asked. But in this word righteousness, it has a four, fourfold meaning for us. So when it says the Lord is our righteousness, he is our measuring stick, the one we put it up against. But it goes even deeper. It says it's this. the gift that we receive the gift that we receive that we don't earn but it's given to us the second thing the meaning behind it is this it's a relational term because the Lord is our righteousness we can have a relationship Jesus came into existence so that we can have a relationship with the Father and it's because of his righteousness not ours that that relationship can exist and the third thing it can mean that it means is this. It's a dynamic expression of a new life. Ready for this? A dynamic expression of a new story that God wants to write in our world. His righteousness holds these meanings. And the last piece is this. It's an expression of hope of what's to come. His righteousness is an expression of hope of what's to come. So you may be sitting right now in a story that you don't like and a story that you don't get and a life that you, you would trade in in a minute for anything else. And can I share with you this today? That you have a father who loves you so much he wants to write you a story. And he wants to use exactly where you're at in your world today and what's going on in your world today to bring about a relationship with him, give you a gift of a son, Jesus, and to bring you hope that cannot be found in anything else. And it's all because he is our righteousness. And that's what he has to give. He provides a solution. And I'm not talking about this. I'm not talking about a quick fix. I'm not talking about a bailing us out of our problems. I'm talking about a solution to what's going on. And the solution doesn't mean it's going to be quick. And doesn't mean it's going to not take hard work. And doesn't mean it's not going to take a part of us to do something. It's a solution that requires a response from us. That requires an obedience to us. That requires us to receive the gift that he has for us. And that's the peace that we can look at. The Lord is our righteousness. In Jeremiah 23, 7 to 8, it says this. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. When they will no longer say as the Lord lives who brought up the sons of Israel from the land of Egypt. You ready? The children of Israel kept talking about the day when Jesus worked in their ancestors' lives. Step kept talking about the old days. They kept saying, remember when God brought our, our fathers and our forefathers and all this out of the land of Egypt? 
And they kept going back to that story. They kept going back to the past. And they kept dwelling on the past of what God did in the past. And they kept pointing to what he had done and how he had brought them out of slavery and all this thing. And here's the beautiful part of this story. God said, I want to write a new story of what I do in your life. I want to write a new story of what can happen when you follow me. I want to write a new story when you come back to obedience to me. And it's so interesting. It's this, because the people of Israel and Judah, they were rebelling because of a leader that was weak and that kept getting distracted. And they were falling away and they were walking away from God and they were worshiping all this other stuff. And they kept going back to the story of what God bailed them out years ago, that they lost sight of a fact that they have a God that loves loved them so much, he wanted to write a new story for their lives. Just like he wants to write a new story for your life. See, I can go back over the past two years and look at story after story of what God has done. And, it, and it's awesome because I'll get some people together and I'll say, hey, share about this, share about that, and tell me a story of how God's worked in your life. And it's great to hear those things. And some guys look at me and like, Chad, why do you always want to talk about that? Because I like to hear how God's working. I like to hear how God's moving. I like to hear what's going on. But you know what, more importantly, I want us to learn, listen to or hear is that he wants to keep writing our story. He keeps wanting to write our story in a new and fresh way. He keeps wanting to add to the story. It's not like we hit an end point. Guess what? If you're still breathing today, if you still have breath in your lungs, guess what? He still has a story of your life he wants to write. And you go on and you hear this last piece in this. It says, but as the Lord lives, who brought up and led back the descendants of the Israel... Of the house, of the sense of the household of Israel from the Northland and from all the countries where I have driven them, then they will live on their own soil. You ready? This is the new story that they're going to have. This is the new story that God's going to bring them back in. He's going to love them, and you know what it means when it says in their own land. Guess what that is? That's their own promise. See, that land they came back to was the promised land, the land that was promised to them, that was given to them from the Father. And here's what's beautiful is God has a promise for our lives that far exceeds material things, that far exceeds financial things, that far exceeds any of that stuff. He has a promise for our lives, a relationship that he has for us that he wants to bring us in and write this story of our lives and continue to write it till the day we die and go to be with him. And this is a story that we can go back to over and over again. See, we spend a lifetime of waiting for stuff. We spend a lifetime of waiting for what's next and what's to come and all of this. And right now, in the moment where you're at right now, no matter what's happening, God has a promise for your life that includes a relationship with his son and the beginning of a story or the continuation of a story of what he wants to do to fulfill his promise in your life. And it starts with this gift of Jesus, the Lord, our righteousness, that brings hope, that brings a relationship, that brings the right thing to measure our life with, and that brings about a God story that cannot be written without him.
You have a God who loves you so much that he wants to write a new story or continue to write a story that brings about an amazing promise that he has for you. The response is this. Will I turn from where I'm at right now and turn towards him and receive the gift that he has for me? This new life, this new hope, this promise that he has, and will I walk it out? Father God, we love you and praise you. We thank you for today. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. We thank you that we have a God that loves us so much, that wants to write a new story in our lives. Lord, no matter where we're at today, no matter what's going on in our lives today, may we turn to you. May we receive that gift of new life. Or maybe, Father, may we draw back to you, Father, and and come back to the promise that you have to us, that promise of a God that loves us and a new hope, a new life, Lord. Wherever that is, Lord, may we respond where we're at today. May we walk it out. God, you continue to put people around us that love us, that want to walk with us, that want to be a light in our world. I see that day in and day out here at Light Point Church, and I give you praise for that. I pray, Father, that you continue to guide us, continue to direct us. Lord, continue to write our story that fulfills your promise that you have for us. And Lord, we just ask in this moment as we celebrate your son Jesus' birth, the Lord is our righteousness, that we would stand on that and believe it with all of our hearts, that you have a new story you want to write, that you have a new life you want to give, that you have a hope you want to give us. And I pray, Father, Lord, as you watch over us and that you guide us, Lord, that we would draw close to you, that we would return to you, and, Lord, that we would walk closely with you because you are a God who loves us so much that you want to write a story that fulfills your promise in our lives. And we ask all this in your son's precious name, Jesus. Amen.